Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Referral. I'm Dr. Curran, a surgeon in the UK, and this is your weekly fix of evidence-based science and health information so you can have a better life. It's summer, so that means sun's out, guns out. And in this episode, we're gonna be discussing how you can build muscle, but not any pseudo-scientific way, the evidence-based science-backed method so you can build the most amount of muscle and get ripped. We're also gonna take a deep dive into certain supplements that you can take to enhance your muscle growth and also weeding out some of the nonsense supplements you hear about. And to talk about all things muscle growth, I've got the perfect guest. I've got Nathan Williams. He's a personal trainer, sure, but even more importantly, and I make sure I'll get this right, he is a professional, natural, bodybuilding world champion, and he has been for a number of years. He's an absolute beast in the world of bodybuilding and muscle growth. It's a pretty funny sport when you, um, if you don't really um, know it too much about it, you see a bunch of oily, muscly men in pants standing on the stage staring at you. Hairless. Yeah, exactly, just bald. And he specializes in body transformations. He's worked with school children, office goers, and professional athletes as well. So this episode will have something for you. A simple way to do it is just one gram of protein per pound of your body weight. As you know, I love answering your questions so you'll get your turn during crowd science. And if you have a burning question you wanna ask me, head over to thereferralpod.com to get in touch. Also coming up, we have If It Ducks Like a Quack. This part of the show, I'll be debunking all those ridiculous myths you hear online. But first up, what the health? Let's take a quick look at what's going on in the world of science, medicine, and health. What the health? This one is wild and might give you something to smile about, literally. In the next few years, we might have a drug that helps humans regrow teeth. Now, as you may know or may not know, teeth, when they're broken, can't be regrown. And to help us fill our toothy smiles, Japanese scientists are about to start a human clinical trial looking at a type of medication that can help humans regrow teeth. And according to the Japanese media, by 2030, we could have tooth regeneration medicine. It all started back in 2021 when a team of researchers at Kyoto University published some interesting research which suggested that a protein known as USAG1 limited the growth of teeth in mice. And by turning off the gene that codes for the production of that protein, USAG1, the mice were able to regrow teeth. And the same group of researchers later then created a neutralizing antibody drug therapy against that protein, which also helped the same mice regrow teeth. Now, mice are not humans, but they also replicated the same results in ferrets who have somewhat of a similar dental pattern to humans, apparently. Animal studies are all well and good for early research, but we now need to know if this same thing works in humans. And to that end, the clinical trials are set to start in July 2024. I mean, the idea of growing new teeth is every dentist's dream or potentially nightmare. For example, in the US, over 25 percent of adults over the age of 65 have eight or less teeth and 17 percent of older people have lost all their teeth apart from a cosmetic look this can severely impact a person's quality of life and also impact on the type of diet they can consume so keep watching this space
Hello, listeners of The Referral. It's me, Dr. Curran. Are you tired of scouring the internet for medical answers only to end up on shady websites? Is your For You page full of TikTok experts pushing miracle weight loss drugs and superfoods? There's so many myths and nonsensical health advice out there on the internet. But on our weekly crowd science episodes, I'm helping real listeners like you get the truth. Subscribe to the Referral Plus and you'll get access to additional crowd science episodes every week devoted entirely to answering your questions. Plus, as an added bonus, you'll enjoy ad-free listening of all our episodes. You can even try it for free. Just head over to the Referral Show page on Apple Podcasts and click on the Try Free button at the top of the page to start listening today. Have a question of your own? Visit thereferralpod.com and submit it. There is no question too weird or too awkward for me. So what are you waiting for? Don't let the internet deceive you. Subscribe now to the Referral Plus and start getting answers today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nathan Williams. You're not just a personal trainer. You are a world champion bodybuilder. Tell me a little bit about yourself and why you got into what you're into. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> My whole fitness journey pretty much started from me wanting to more look the part. I've always been a very small, young-looking kid as such. When I qualified, so I thought I needed to pack on a little bit of muscle just to be taken seriously in the industry. And I guess it's echoed in a lot of people that maybe because of a lack of confidence when they were younger, mm. they wanted to pack on that size and muscle. And now to the extreme you're doing, obviously you're going on shows, showing your physique to people, which requires a lot of confidence. And you do that really well. And you're a champion, you mm. know, multiple time champion as well. So what is the mindset behind going from someone who, like yourself, you confess that you're not confident to then showing the world your body? Um, to be honest with you, I only did it because my friends at the time who I met in the industry, they kind of roped me into doing <laughs> it. They were like, Nathan, you'll do really well. I'm like, nah, man, this ain't, <laughs> this ain't for me. Like a lot of um, persuading it took from them. And then, I don't know if you've followed bodybuilder at all, you've seen the little pants that they, they, they wear. <laughs> yeah, they're little yeah. budgie smugglers. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I've actually got someone that I'm joking. <laughs> I ordered them and they came through the post. I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be wearing these. Um, so I said to my friends, no, I'm not doing this. I'm out. But long story short, I eventually built up the courage to um, put them on. Yeah, managed to get on stage. So obviously getting yourself to the point where you're ready to do it is yeah. one thing, but yeah. then actually competing at a high level, mm. you know, that's going to demand a high level of regimen, routine, and a lot of restriction in your life with what you can eat, what you can drink, what supplements you take. Your whole life has to be micro-planned, right? What, what's a, like a day in your life when you're in the run-up to a competition? You have to be very, very organized in terms of your food and planning it accordingly because the leaner you get the less your energy levels become and so you need to just make sure that you're prepared your training sessions are fueled adequately and um you're able to just go from waking up to going to bed without just flaking completely 
Yeah. In terms of packing on size, for someone who is, I don't know, they're an office worker, they're, you know, a busy mom of three kids, yeah. or even like a teenager getting into bodybuilding, yeah. what are some foundations that someone would have to do? Absolute foundational, and then we'll go on to the intermediate advanced levels of building muscle. But at the very beginning of someone's muscle building journey, what would they need to do? It's a very, very simple, simple procedure. You've got, you got lift weights, yeah. learn correct technique, and do it consistently. That is pretty much it. I mean, that's number one. I mean, number two is finding a routine that fits your lifestyle. I think a lot of people, they can't follow what I do. I train five times a week. Um, I always pretty much train at the same time every single time that I do train, which is during the middle of the day. Um, so I'm able to squeeze and say two, three or meals, two or three meals in beforehand. And then I can have two or three meals after that. Not a lot of people can follow that routine, no. but that fits my lifestyle. But if you are someone who has a busy job, you work nine to five, you've got three kids, you've got a wife, you might not be able to go to the gym five times a, a, a week and train at lunchtime. Your routine may be waking up and getting your workout done at first thing in the morning, say six o'clock, and then only being able to go to the gym two or three times a week. Okay, so that's what you need to do. And then once you've found your routine, you you stick at it. Yeah, and I, I think most people are obsessed with perfection rather than just progress. So course, yeah. if they can't do 60 minutes, they think, no, nah, I'll, I'll just leave it. But 10 minutes is better than nothing. 100%. I would still always recommend doing a little bit more Doing than more, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially to build muscle. But um, yeah, something is always better than doing nothing. And you have to just set realistic expectations of um, what you can consistently do. Um, I always have said weight training is the best form of exercise that you can do. I've, I will say that confidently and proudly. So obviously training is one part of the game. Yeah. And for me, I found over the years myself as well, whenever I'm training and a lot of people at home listening to this might mm -hmm. find a similar, you know, a, a mindset where they think that uh, training is for fat loss, but actually the fat loss happens in your diet, but the training is just to build your stamina, strength, endurance, and just change your body composition. 100%. So... Weight training is to get stronger and build muscle. Yeah. That is it. You don't go into the gym to lift weights to lose fat. Yeah. It will happen. And in fact, the, the more muscle your body has on it, the more it's able to metabolize yeah. food. You can it's a higher get, metabolism. Exactly. Right? You, got, you can get more calories in you. And it does make the whole fat loss process much easier. So the more muscle you have on your body. So when someone is trying to like build muscle, they have to be in some sort of caloric surplus. The body yeah. needs more energy so it can synthesize more muscle rather than the amount of muscle being broken down. Mm -hmm. But I, I see a lot of younger people and even people, you know, who are not in their teens, when they're in that muscle building phase, they eat like they're at a buffet every day. They <laughs> think they need to get so much. Yeah. But it's, that's not the case. Your body just needs a little bit more than what you're probably getting right now, right? Exactly. I've done it. I've been that guy to pile on two, two and a half stone, make close to three stone to, to bring it back down. You don't need to do that. Yeah. What, what happens is it becomes harder and just a longer process of getting rid of the, all that body fat you mm. put on. Okay. So my thing now, especially right now, you only need to be in a slight surplus. Anything between say 250 to 500 calories, maybe over um, the calories that you'll consume to maintain your weight. One of the most important building blocks for muscle building is protein. 100%. Uh, the amino acids that your body derives from the protein sources that you're consuming go to muscle protein synthesis. So in terms of protein, people think there are a lot of myths around there which we'll come on to, but in terms of consuming protein, for someone who is starting a journey, who is not like a regular gym goer, 
what, what, how do they calculate how much protein they need for their body weight or for their lives? A simple way to do it is just one gram of protein per pound of your body weight. Sometimes your lean body weight, so whatever your weight without any body fat. So some, someone who is an office worker, weighs 70 kilos, doesn't do any exercise, wants to start exercising and... What, so weight what, training. If it's yeah. weight training, and then one one gram of protein, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, that's a simple simple equation to, to kind okay. of stick to. That, that's that's it. So okay. when when you're, uh, you know, building muscle and trying yeah. to pack on more size, yeah. what do your rest days look like and how? why is that important for you? I, I don't like my whole life to be around the gym. I always give myself two days completely off. Two days. Two okay. days off the weights. That, that, and I think maybe later on in life, once I get a few more responsibilities, yeah. maybe it'll reduce again. Um, so I always have a Wednesday and a Sunday off completely of, mm. of the gym. But you still exercise on those days? I, was, I would walk. I would walk. walk yeah. I'd be out. Um, still get my steps in. Yeah. Um, always have my step tracker on me. Yeah. So I always just go out. I've got two dogs. Yeah. Um, so that that's my exercise. I get chores cool. done. So it's important as well for recovery to have those rest days. Obviously, the muscle building is actually you in the gym breaking down your muscle fibers yep. and the rest days are for the muscle fibers to start repairing, exactly. right? Exactly. I see a lot of people, especially when you started out, even when I first was on like my gym journey when I was 18 years yeah. old, I would be obsessed with I have to train every single day, seven days a week. And actually for a while... I found myself being even sorer and less gains being made because yeah. you're overtraining yeah. and that's catabolic to your body and your body's going to be so. in a breakdown state. Yeah, and you can't maintain that. And I think you find you're, you don't, you probably start resenting going to the gym if you know that you have to go yeah. every single day. And I think that's where people start lacking the motivation to go. So have you, because you've been obviously lifting weights for so many years now, you must have got some injuries over yeah, the years. Yeah, you... Listen, every single, especially if you're trying to push yourself to the absolute limit, yeah. you know, you're you're going to get niggles, you're going to get uh, some sort of pain. It doesn't mean that I stop training, Yeah, you know, okay. I, I still train. It doesn't take take me away from the gym. Listen, there's always a way to get from A to B. And because I'm, 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 I'm very in tune with what I can do and with my body and always find a way around it. When I when I see a patient in hospital, for example, if I perform surgery on a patient in hospital, they are stuck in hospital for a number of days or weeks. Yeah. And just being in bed and not moving around as normal, they are going into muscle atrophy. They're losing muscle. Yeah. Right. So when they come out, they have lost a lot of weight, but a lot of that weight is lean mass, lean muscle, which is bad. Yeah. But then they need to start now training again and building up their muscle. How does someone post-surgery recovery or any post-illness limit the amount of muscle loss and what would you guide them on? Always take control of the things that you can control. This is apparent as well. If you have apparently broken like one side of your body, I yeah. don't know if this is actually true, um, but if you were to still train the other side, it helps kind of stimulate the recovery on the other side. No, yeah, is that yeah, actually yeah, no, true? Yeah, I think to some extent, yeah. yeah. Okay, so things like that, if, if it's your you've broken arm, you can still walk, your legs still work. Yeah. There's always a way around as I said, getting from A to B, okay? You might not be able to do the rate, the training regime that you were doing before, but you can still move, okay? You want to do things to make you feel good and exercise will always do that. Do you believe in constantly trying to like shock your muscles or varying your workouts? No. Is that even a thing? No. For me, I, if you were to go through my Insta page, Instagram page right now, you'll pretty much see the same same workout. I'm good with that. I'm, yeah. I'm good to do that. And I can just be consistent as possible because I know there's always... A slight way to make just a little bit of progress, you know, and I, I always know that I can make a certain lift just that little bit better, marginal gains. 
But there's a lot of people who feel like they need to change their workouts all the time. I will do it with a client. I'll change their program every, say, two months or three mm. months um, just to give themselves something to look forward to. But I don't need to do that for myself. You know, it all depends on the, the, the individual. And I feel like to get better at your craft, you need to just practice the same things over and over and over again. Are you taking any extra supplements to aid your muscle growth? Uh, yes, I take protein powder. Yeah. Um, creatine monohydrate. Tell me about what, what the, the creatine monohydrate, why do you take it? I mean, that is, for me, that seems like, based on the research available, that's the lowest hanging fruit for anyone, yeah. whether you're a man, woman, you know, kid, anyone who is, even if you're not training, mm. creatine seems to be something that you should probably be taking. Yeah. Why do you take it? Apparently, it's the best supplement you can take. It's as close to taking probably steroids naturally as really? you can. Yeah, so what it does, it helps just give you a little bit more energy so you can take, yeah. you could go on for longer and um, you'll get just that little bit more out of your workout. So it's not directly giving you muscle building, but no. it's powering your workout and giving you more energy so you can train more intensely and for longer and you recover quicker, exactly. which then leads to more gains. Exactly. So you take creatine monohydrate yeah. as opposed to any other variations of creatine. You yeah. think that's the best. Apparently it does exactly the same thing. It's affordable and you can get a whole load of it in it last for what one serving of it one um order of it will last me like six months how much do you take on a daily basis five grams just five literally grams. one scoop apparently it's best to probably take it after workout i just take it whenever just whenever so, once a day yeah because i've got my routine with my 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 days and i'll just take it before a workout in terms of things which are a no-no okay. what about alcohol do you okay. consume any alcohol don't do anything to an excess excess i would only drink if i'm maybe celebrating a very close close friends event where there's a wedding and um that's very rarely um yeah, yeah. and i've only got a handful of friends as well yeah. um i don't binge drink i'll probably have like one or two max and that's pretty much it because that's going to directly affect muscle gain and just yeah. general body composition isn't it that and um just routine as well i want to be able to wake up the next day and just get on i've got, always got things to do yeah. i got time to be sitting in bed recovering recovering yeah <laughs> i ain't got time for that so the alcohol directly affects your you know body composition your gains while you're drinking yeah. it but then also the negative effects continue afterwards as you're recovering it's going to affect your sleep which we know is crucial for yeah. maintaining muscle mass and building muscle mass it's going to affect your energy levels your mood your mm. appetite and all of these things which will throw every or your routine off kilter right everything everything you just said late night will lead to you going to the kebab, kebab shop at, at yeah. night and getting in an extra 2,000 calories on top of what you're, yeah. you're currently doing. Then the next day you're in bed recovering from all the alcohol you've just drunk. And then before you know it, you've just undone a lot of gains. Okay. How's your sleep? Because we've mentioned a little bit about supplements and routine and consistency, mm. but there's a whole branch of other things which are important for muscle maintenance and growth, including sleep. So how is that for you? Um, sleep's all right. I probably can sleep, I'd say, another hour um, but the way life is right now, I can't. Um, plus, Love Island, Island is on at night. So, oh, sure. <laughs> so I'll probably get to bed about, say, 10, just after 10, and then wake up about 5.30. So it's a good seven and a half hours. That's but decent, yeah. I, I do feel like I can probably get another half an hour. hour and do you that'll... feel refreshed when you wake up in the morning? Not really. No? Not really. It takes me a long, not a long time, about half an hour of, of just like... yeah. Getting, getting myself ready. So I need to try and improve that. Do you, you know, drink caffeine in the mornings to try and wake up? Are you, are you requiring caffeine? I do. Yeah? I do. I need to. That's that's my, um, my yeah, I need, I need coffee in the morning. 
you know, obviously coffee can help to, you know, spur your workout as well. Do mm. you take any of these pre-workout stimulants? Yeah, to... I take a mild pre-workout beforehand. What do you take? Um, it's just a brand that got sent to me by some friends. Beta alanine? Um, I think it's got beta alanine in it. It's just a, a, a branded um, pre-workout and it's got those ingredients in beta and again, caffeine. Similar to not quite on a creatine level, but it just gives you that motivation and energy to just, you know, stimulate you Some, to yeah. power you through the workout. Yeah, sometimes like a placebo, you know, you, if you know you're taking that, then mm. you're like, right, I need to go and train now. And it, you mentioned obviously protein powder is something that you take. Mm. In terms of your protein consumption, I mean, you you, you eat meat and vegetables, obviously, but do you find there's any difference between consuming animal protein versus plant protein? Can you see any difference in someone or any colleagues of yours who are maybe vegan bodybuilders in the gains that they can make in consuming animal versus plant protein? Yeah, I, I think that it needs to have, I think it's called leucine. Yeah, your pro, if you should get high, in the meats. Exactly. So the, I think the higher the leucine that is in your protein, the the, the better it is for muscle building yeah okay and you're not going to get that in a lot of vegan plant, plant based yeah. um, products so you can still be a plant based bodybuilder but mm. maybe just need to be cognizant that you may need to supplement certain things to completely optimize your muscle exactly. growth and things like that even protein powder and protein you know drinks anything like that that's not essential but it's just a quick convenient way to just get more protein yeah, right so um Look, I'm I'm always on the go and I haven't got the time and a lot of people don't have the time to be sitting down at a table at their Tupperware eating their chicken and their rice and their broccoli. Um, and some people just need something quick that you can consume in 30 seconds. Hence why I would probably consume a protein shake after a workout because it literally takes me mm. 20 seconds to blend up and that's me done. Obviously, you train a wide variety of people and, you know, in your other job where you're a, you know, a bodybuilder as well and, mm. you know, you're competing in these shows, you come across men and women. Have you seen any differences in training regimes that are helpful for, you know, specific for men or for women or does it not matter? It, it depends on the on the goal. Like you'll get, there's loads of different categories in in a bodybuilding show. You'll get the bodybuilders who just want to try and pack on as much muscle as possible. Then you'll get like a few bikini girls who their goal is to like try and look as slender and shapely as possible. Yeah. So their regime may be training like legs three times a week. I see. And a, a guy will probably just train them like maybe once or max twice. Okay. So the the regimes can. Um, Change all depending on the actual goal and the look that you want to yeah. have. And and clearly, obviously, you know, physiologically between men and women, men have a higher testosterone amount, yeah. which is obviously an anabolic steroid, natural steroid. So yeah. women will find it harder to make the same gains as men for a physiological reason, right? Yeah, exactly. When you're training, is there anything extra that you would do for, you know, your female clients, you know, instead of your male clients? No. No. Same. You'd give them same workouts, same um, diet plans. The, the the workout's just relevant to 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 the individual. The diet, the calories, going to be slightly less just because of their weight yeah. and the amount of muscle that they've got on their body. Um, everything's always tailored to that individual. So I was watching this thing recently on Netflix. <laughs> you saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, yes, the yeah. three part, which I loved. And that what a, what, a, what a man! What an incredible! Yeah, I didn't know the full story about mm. how he came from you know this Austrian farm boy basically to you know top of the world. Mm. And that first part of the documentary where you know he suddenly starts just like you were saying earlier in the episode, starting lifting weights, doing the same thing every day, and he ends up you know topping these competitions. 
the bodybuilding competitions that we saw Arnold Schwarzenegger go through, is that it's the same as what you're experiencing in your shows or is it different? And w- what are they judging you on? It's a pretty funny sport when you, um, if you don't really um, know it too much about it, you see a bunch of oily, muscly men in pants stand on the stage staring at each other. Hairless. Yeah, exactly, just bald. So first of all, you got symmetry rounds, so how symmetrical your body is and balanced. Um, and then a muscularity round. So you've got three rounds, symmetry, So how, and then muscular, how much muscle you got on your body. Yeah. And then the third one, you just do like a posing routine. Okay. So whatever song that you want. This is like... <laughs> What's your song? Ah, uh, you know, a little bit of um, Love a Spice Girl. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Love a Spice Girl. So... Nah, we all got... You can just choose whatever you want. I mean, symmetry, definition, and muscle size. Yeah. Obviously, you can do a lot to change those things but then you're also limited by your anatomy and genetics to some degree right so i mean anatomically and genetically you may be far more blessed than someone else Mm. how to what extent can you maximize all of that i mean naturally i've got a very x-shaped body um but i've had to build muscle on top of it to make it look presentable on stage so if before i i trained there's no way i could have stepped on stage how i look without any muscle just looked weird and, and it's about presenting your physique as best as you can on stage as well. So you maybe hide weak points and show strong points. And, okay, so you, you can know, kind of like exactly. manipulate that a little Slight, bit. Very, maybe very slightly. And you, know? uh, you said, obviously, these bodybuilders, they have to be like oiled up. And yeah. that's presumably so they look, it, it defines and it highlights certain little muscle grooves and things more. Exactly. And also need to be bald. Is that <laughs> head to toe need to be like shaved everywhere? Well, you I mean, might everywhere. as well get rid of it all as you're doing it. You don't want to leave a little patch. Just get rid of it all. Just Wow, everything, everywhere. Streamline, aerodynamic, oh my God. straighten, yeah. Yeah. What sort of, <laughs> what's the, um, obviously this is such an extreme sport, yeah. you know, to some degree, because you have to be, you know, ultra low body fat. You have to be so regimental in your training to get the muscle definition and the obliques and serratus anterior, yeah. also known as the boxer's muscle, just underneath on the, you know, sides of your rib cage that you see those lines. What's the kind of downside psychologically of being in that kind of state around? that world where everything is so restrictive and you have to look a certain way Mm. that's obviously amazing for building muscle and confidence but also the dark side you know it can lead you to dangerous eating habits and relationships with your body and food yeah so it's not sustainable no you cannot maintain well you you can but it's very very hard to maintain single digit body fat levels over a long period of time the whole fat loss process is it's exactly the same. It's just literally eating less than what you burn. But the lower you, your body fat percentage comes is where you start to need to be a little bit more smarter with your choices and um, eating certain things to make you feel maybe a little bit fuller just to kind of keep keep you going for longer. So there's no, like, you don't want to eat a donut being 4% body fat. Yeah. Because that's literally... It's not satiating. No, not at all. That's like literally probably a quarter of your daily calories. Yeah. You're, you're going to flake by... By midday. Wait, wait, say that again. So a donut would be a quarter of your daily calories at that stage, the low end. Maybe, yeah, yeah, probably. Just before a competition, like 10 seconds before going out on stage, what would your body fat percentage be? Four or five percent? Maybe. Maybe. I've never actually measured my body fat percentage, but you just know. Like I've been there for so long, you just know when you're ready. And what, for you, what would be your calorie intake on that day, for example, or the days leading up to it? It's not really days, it's more the, the whole process because you do a thing called peak week where you like manipulate your carbohydrates okay okay so, so less do, water weight carried i'll do like a carb deplete and then a carb 
load. Okay. Um, and then just like let my and then water deplete as well. Um, wow. after that the, the load's done so you're dehydrating yourself to some degree Very before slightly. the competition exactly yeah so you're as shredded and Dry the, as the structures are as visible as possible exactly and so you can't maintain that in your mind what is actually happening to you on the day of the show how's your libido how's your mood your appetite yeah wet noodle yeah, you just got a wet noodle, mate. He <laughs> said so you're, you're shrunk. You're shrunk everywhere. That hasn't shrunk. That yeah. hasn't shrunk. Hold hasn't shrunk. That hasn't shrunk. No, still good. <laughs> I'm joking. Because at that, because a lot of you know elite level uh, kind of show competers, yeah. obviously, even though they look huge, yeah. their testosterone actually plummets somewhat shrunk. because you're in that hypo low calorie state. I think so. Yeah, I think a lot of people do it too such an extreme I'm good don't, don't get me wrong I'm good <laughs> but I think when people do it to an extreme for so long yeah. like for me everything's tapered down very gradually I'll do a slow diet so my diet isn't three months what a lot of people do where it's just so extreme you can't mm. keep that up I'll, my diet will be from like eight nine months of very very slow dieting so like last year for example when I competed my diet started in March and my last show was in November wow yeah okay that's so incredible that's... is there anything else in your armory that you do, which is just a life hack for muscle building. Any other supplements that you take or anything you do? Nothing at all, man. I've been accused of doing whatever before, but nothing, man. Why, why do people accuse you of taking steroids, presumably? I think, I think number one, achieving a certain goal, being this, looking a certain way. Um, I was accused of doing it from six months of training. Really? I was 18 years old and being a kid, I'm like, what is this? So like, ge genetically, you are gifted and you worked hard as well. So you had a good frame and good body and you were accused because you looked I think too good, so. basically. Maybe, or yeah. it was the results I saw, but in, in a short amount of time. But I've always known what hard work is. And yeah. I think at that stage of my life when I was 18, I had nothing to lose. And I literally had to work as hard as I physically could because I wanted to succeed. And then I wanted to be a good PT. I wanted to be taken seriously in the industry. I wanted to look the part, you know, I really wanted to do this. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to have a good job. And I had, as I said, I had nothing to lose, man. I just wanted to give it all I, all yeah. I could. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you've certainly given a fresh perspective on muscle growth and yeah. an insight into that kind of slightly crazy yeah, world that you're into. Yeah. Um, Nathan, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Just before I let you go, you do have a question for me. I don't know what it is. Right. So question for you. What's your current relationship like with the gym and how's that going for you? Uh, yeah, I recently posted something on my socials, um, like on my Facebook, just almost giving accountability for myself uh, to go to the gym more. So I first started, you know, really going to the gym hard in my first year of uni. So 18, uh, I was living across the road from the gym in my halls. So I was, you know, bunking lectures and going to the gym every day with my mates. And it was fun. Uh, you know, you still like those newbie gains, you start gaining muscle quickly, you start increasing your strength quickly and I enjoyed that and one of the key things for me was building upper body strength so I could bowl faster in cricket okay I love playing cricket and I wanted to bowl faster and faster so I needed that upper body shoulder strength to throw things fast the ball faster basically so that was one of the main things I wanted more of that functional strength yeah um, but obviously during uni that 18 to 24 year phase when I was at uni you know, you're still very young and, you know, you care a lot, a lot about what other people think, girls, stuff like that. So I obviously it was also concerned about the aesthetic side of things. But I, I very quickly realized as well that this has only happened in the later years where actually now 
I care less about aesthetics, but I care more now about functional strength and just being healthy and like lifting heavy. I want, I want to lift heavy stuff, but I don't care about, you know, not having a six pack or looking a certain way um, because I'm now trying to increase them out. I go to gym again, trying to balance social media, work as a surgeon, dog and gym. So it's hard to fit everything else in. But the next 12 months, I'm going to really go hard to push my body to the limit like I was when I was at uni and that I've maybe, you know, strayed off the path a little bit over the last few years just because I've failed to balance everything in my life, but try to smash it again over the next 12 months uh, so I can be Dr. Swole. Yes, <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. 12 months from 12 now. 12 months, yeah, yeah, you're going to be checking in on me. <laughs> I'll be watching you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been a breath of fresh air on this show, talking all about the science of muscle building. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So where, where can people find you online if they want to follow your journey and learn more? Instagram, Nathan PT. I've just started a YouTube channel now, so um, you can check me up on there. And um, threads as well now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You... <laughs> so now we have If It Ducks Like a Quack. This is the bit I truly love. It's what I do best, debunking myths and misinformation online. So let's get to the first one. You should cut out all carbs if you want a six pack. Now there's lots of layers to unpick here. Number one, it doesn't need to be your life goal to get a six pack. And having a six pack doesn't necessarily mean that someone is healthy. And if you want to really dive into the science behind it, everyone has a six pack. Everyone has a rectus abdominis muscle and it's just covered by varying degrees of fat above it. For the average person, getting a six pack means having a low enough body fat percentage so that you can see the grooves and indentations in the rectus abdominis muscle. And a common route for people to achieve a six pack or more definition may be losing body fat by means of a calorie restriction, having less calories consumed than calories burned. Carbohydrate-rich foods tend to be, on the whole, less satiating. Things like rice, bread, crisps, these things make you feel less full. They're also more moorish. You tend to overeat because they're hyperpalatable, they're convenient, they're easy to digest. So you tend to eat more of them and you can also end up eating more calories. So people who tend to go on these carb-free diets or severely restrict the amount of carbs they have tend to lose a lot of weight rapidly initially because they cut out some of these hyperpalatable, high-energy foods which are easy to overconsume. But carbohydrates are a very important macronutrient. It's your brain's primary source of fuel, it's used in your muscles, and you generally need it as a fuel source. And carbohydrate-rich foods also tend to be foods which are high in fiber as well. If you think about your grains, beans, all of these things, they usually have a moderate to high carb amount, but also a moderate to high fiber amount. And we know, and if you, especially if you listen to me, you know that fiber is key for your gut health and your bowel routine as well. You need fats, you need proteins, you need fiber, and you need carbohydrates because life without carbohydrates is just a very sad life. Your teeth need to be white. Societal expectations have us thinking that teeth need to be pearly white. They do not. The natural color of your teeth is actually off-white and maybe even a little hint of yellow. Now, there are certain things you do and certain habits that you might subscribe to which make your teeth stained even more yellow than they should be. Things like smoking or excessive tea or coffee consumption. But the myth that your teeth are meant to be white is just that. It's a complete myth. And the overwhelming flood of influencers online with their shiny glow-in-the-dark teeth make you think that your teeth need to be white. They don't. 
In fact, even with age, our teeth will probably become slightly more yellow as the enamel, the outer coating of the teeth, slightly wears away and the inner, more yellowish surface is revealed. In fact, as you grow older, the outer enamel layer, that white layer, wears away and it exposes that inner, slightly yellowish dentin layer. And as a precautionary note, this is also why you should avoid brushing very aggressively because you can actually damage and wear away that outer enamel layer. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just before we go, let's have some listener questions in crowd science. The first question this week is from Karen. As an allergy sufferer, I'm struggling to tell the difference between the wide range of antihistamines on the market. They vary in price and I assume in other areas. Could you provide advice on what to look for and does more expensive mean more effective? Karen, that's a great question. Let's dive into it. Now, during allergy season, you may be floored by pollen and you may have lost the war against nature, but fear not, there are some things that you need to do. Medication may help a lot of people, but you need to also make sure that you're doing these other things as well. These are very basics that you should be doing. Every time you go out, try to wear wraparound sunglasses so the pollen doesn't come into contact with your eyes and trigger those itchy, annoying hay fever type symptoms. Try to limit the amount of washing that you do outdoors because the pollen can get trapped in your laundry and then you bring it inside the home. And even if it's hot, try to limit the amount of times you open doors or windows because the pollen can come inside and also harass you indoors. Pollen can also get trapped in your nostrils, so you may want to irrigate these with some sort of neti pot or a nasal spray to get rid of the pollen that's trapped in your nose and it can get into your sinuses as well. Now these are all conservative non-medical options and clearly these may not work for everyone and you might also want to try some medication to help relieve symptoms. You have some basic antihistamines and medications that you can use specifically for hay fever. Chlorphenamine, which is an antihistamine, cetirizine, loratadine, you may have heard of these things. And another thing now which is available in the UK, not prescription anymore, I'm not sure about other countries, but it's called fexofenadine hydrochloride. That is the generic trade name of this medication. Now, as you mentioned, some of these allergy hay fever medication may vary in their price, and that's why you need to look at the active ingredient. For example, I mentioned fexofenadine hydrochloride. Look for the active ingredient in this and pick the medication that is the cheapest. Often the branding makes something more expensive. You can get the same quality, the same efficacy for something that is a lot cheaper as long as you focus on buying the thing with the active ingredient. As always, this is not medical advice, so if you're planning on starting 
starting a medication, you need to make sure you consult with your doctor or are at least aware of any drug interactions they may have with your existing medication and also be mindful of any medication allergies you might have as well. Make sure you look out for the active ingredient. That's the main takeaway from this. And also make sure you can reduce your exposure to pollen by all these conservative measures as well. You may find if you do those things, you may not even need medication. Karen, thank you very much for that question. Hope that you can beat pollen this season. Let's move on to our next one. And our next question from Nicole, I've been taking an anti-anxiety medication, sertraline, for the last six months, and I think my libido has reduced. Is it possible that it's related to the meds? And if so, what should I do? I don't want to come off it because it's really helping with the anxiety. To hear my full response to Nicole's question and many more questions, make sure you download the additional episode of the referral called Crowd Science Extra, which is devoted entirely to answering all of your questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Referral. Yes, I am a real doctor, but it's important to know that if you require medical advice specific to you, you should contact your own medical professional. And remember, nothing on this show is intended to provide or replace specific medical advice that you would receive from your own healthcare professional. If you enjoyed this episode of The Referral, make sure you catch up on all the others and hit the follow button so you're up to date every week. And whilst you're there, consider leaving a five-star review because you found the show excellent. This has been a Sony Music production. Production management was Lily Hambly. Cameras by Teddy Riley. Videos by Ryan O'Meara. Studio engineer was Matthias Torres. Music by Josh Carter. Grace Lakewood and Hannah Talbot were the producers. And Gaynor Marshall and Chris Skinner are the executive producers. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.